Thank you so much, Mark Alexis. I appreciate you guys helping with worship today. And thank you for all who came early and helped set up after a, a, a crazy holiday week. I don't know about you, my mind is still a little bit foggy, so uh, so bear with me. Uh, but I think by the Spirit of God, we're gonna we're gonna do just fine this morning as we turn the clock to a new year, from 2023 to 2024. It's a, it's an exciting thing to start a new season. But I also know that it can also bring a lot of uh, a lot of weight because we're still the same people stepping into a new year, the same worries and fears that are on our mind, the things our families are going through, our church is going through. That's still there. A new chapter and a new year doesn't erase those memories from our mind or those burdens from our heart. And sometimes maybe we can feel pressure, like oh, a new year, got to start a new chapter, got to make changes, we got to do it fast. And but what do we change? Are there some things that we need to continue doing into the new year? Are there some things we need to stop doing or leave behind? Or maybe you're here this morning really discouraged. This past year was, was a really hard one for you. I know for, for a lot of us in here, it's a lot of hardship this past year. Some burdens and some grief. Can we look forward to this new year with real hope? With real expectations? Not in the year itself, but in the fact that God can work through these things to show himself good and faithful. I know for our church, being a young church, there has not been a lot of certainty as we've walked this path by faith, trusting God to plant and build and grow his church and use us to effectively reach souls for Jesus Christ. But how many souls did we see come to Christ just in the past couple months? Was it five or six boys and girls at the Good News Club? I know myself personally. A couple of the men that I've been coaching in, in male leadership and, and uh, personal goals have been able to lead them to Christ. They have put their faith in Jesus from, from the Word. I know Pastor Dennis has been meeting with some um, to receive Christ. I know many of you have been faithful to witness to your neighbors. And we've seen a baptism recently and see those steps of faith. But it seems like every time we take a step forward in our faith journey, something knocks us back. And the world gets harder, it seems, or at least more complex, perhaps more devious in its opposition for the truth. Whether it's people that we used to be able to rely on who claim to be Christians, and we thought we were seeing spiritual fruit in them, now... It's like they're living completely contrary to the Word of God. What happened? I, I, I used to be able to depend on that person. Now I cannot. Or what about the influx of false information that's flooding social media and news sources, maybe even the minds of some of your friends? And what's going on? This falsehood seems to be increasing. What about the global conflict and the wars going on? I'm not throwing all this out here to scare us, but... I think we need to realize just because we're starting a new year doesn't mean that these things are going away anytime soon. So how do we, as the body of Christ, face this new year with all of those uncertainties and, and a lot of those discouragements, but to stand firm, to live our lives in a way that glorifies Christ and reaches people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and is faithful to the word of God do we need to move off of our current plan and find something different? Is our world too complex for the simple faith that leads to Jesus Christ 
and his kingdom. I want to challenge us, church, this morning from the word of God in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. That God's plan is working. That his word is sufficient. And I want to urge us to continue in the word this year. We have the blueprint and it is working. And as you turn there, whether in a hard copy of scripture, I encourage you to pull it up on your phone. This is the word of God. Let's, let's revere it and treat it as such. Don't just take my word for it. But as you turn there, the context is Paul is writing to his young protege, his, his fellow pastor, his brother, a young man that he, we believe he either led to Christ or had, had a, a spiritual father influence on this young man, Timothy. And Timothy is facing a lot of uncertainty in his church plant and his situation. And Paul tells him, yes, there are false teachers. There are people whose character is not Christ-like. You're facing wicked people who are lovers of self in these last days. But church leaders and Christians continue in the word. What we have from God is enough and more to live faithfully in our calling. Let me read this passage for us and we'll see what Paul has to say to us and for our daily lives. He says in verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So there you have it. Don't take my word for it. God's word says continue to trust God's word. It's exactly what we need for today. That's the main point. Did you see in verse 14? That, that contrast, and maybe you didn't get as strong of a contrast because I didn't read the, word, the verses before, but if you look at those verses, you know, he says, you know, Timothy, verse 10, you're, you're trying to follow my teaching, my conduct, my aim. You're walking in the faith, but then you know, there's persecutions. There's sufferings. You, you saw how I endured it. The Lord brought me through, and, and I know all who desire to live a godly life are, are going to be persecuted, and the evil people and the imposters go from bad to worse. It's going to worsen. They're going to get more and more selfish, more and more staunchly opposed to the word of God. They're going to deceive and, and be deceived. But there's a strong contrast here. That's not you. That's not who you are. That's not who God's called you to be. As for you, continue in the word. It's not like, hey, new year, new you. Make some goals. Do some things. Make some moves. You know, get your get your hands on something. That's how the world says we influence and make a difference. I have to make it happen. That's not what Paul tells us here this morning. He says it's God's word that makes things happen. So you want to see things happen? You want to see the blessings and the fruit and God's faithfulness? Cling to the word. That word continue can mean hold on to or remain inside. Keep your hands and feet inside the moving vehicle, right? 
And it's calling for more than just, okay, yes, continue to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for our sins and he rose from the dead and he's coming back. It's more than just continue to believe a list of facts. He's telling Timothy, continue with your daily manners of living to trust that the word is sufficient for those complex business decisions you have to make. For parenting your kids in the 21st century, which is so tempting to stress me out of my mind about. A lot of people say, oh, don't, don't have kids today. This world is so crazy. That's a temptation, right? Continue in the word. Trust God's word. And Paul gives us three main reasons that we can trust God's word. I'm going to just throw it in there. We can continue to trust God's word in 2024 for three main reasons. First, God works primarily through his word. God works primarily through his word. Paul says, all scripture. So to Timothy, who was raised in the Jewish faith, a faithful Jewish household, knew the Old Testament, knew the law of God, the commands of God, his promises and covenants with his people Israel, also his grace and his kindness, even to the Gentiles, and how he used people like Jonah to bring revival to, to wicked pagan cities. But when he says all of Scripture is, is God-breathed, now we're even seeing the writings of Paul being included in this canon of Scripture. The gospel accounts. See, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So there's now two covenants. The Old and the New all point to Jesus. Our Bible is composed of 66 books. And we believe in the verbal, plenary inspiration of God's Word. We don't just believe that some parts are God's word. Some parts are, are helpful and profitable. It's all God's word. Some of it might be a little bit more exciting than others, you could say. Like, how does this genealogy edify me? Or, uh, you know, what do I do today with this, this reading in my Bible plan? I'm in numbers. I mean, what, what do you do about numbers to the last digit of that number? God's been faithful to his promises. God's been faithful to his people. All of it. All of it is God-breathed. And God doesn't waste his words. It's a living word. This word is not centered on man, and that's what gives us hope in a new year. A lot of failures, a lot of burdens. But you know what? The hope of this new year doesn't depend on me. It depends on, does God keep his word? And he does. So we continue and it will bring fruit in our lives. We'll look at some of those ways later. But this word, this is as a God is speaking right now. He is. Those verses that I read, you might think to yourself, I wish God would just speak out loud sometime and I could hear it. Well, you just did. Those verses we read from 2 Timothy 3, that's the word of God. And that's why you, you might wonder, why, why do we spend so much time talking about the word and preaching the word and listening to the word on Sunday morning? Because we care about God. Because we love God. We want to glorify God. So his word takes center stage. Not just this morning. I pray it will take center stage every day. And Paul tells Timothy, there was a day when you came to the firm conviction that this was the word of God. At some point in the past, we're not told exactly when, the, you know, the date and the time and the hour. But he says, this word that you firmly believed at some point in the past, Timothy came to the conclusion 
I don't just believe this is the word of God because my parents say so. I'm convinced in my own mind, I see life from this word. Just like God brought life in the beginning through the power of his word, so he brings life still. He's bringing dead people to life. Souls are raised through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you can't take my word for it. My words will not save you or give you the support that you need in this life. It's the word of God that is your foundation or should be. Are you like Timothy where you have come to the firm belief this is the word of God? Because belief drives action. What do you worship? What do you spend your time doing? What do you talk about? What does your home look like and the culture of your home? What does the culture of our church look like? There's a very big difference between people who claim to firmly believe that the Bible is the word of God and those who actually believe it and live it out. It starts with me. Lord, help me to have the personal conviction. God said it. That settles it. And you need to know that and be aware because these false teachers do come up. They will try to unsettle you. Oh, yes, you know, believe in Jesus, sure, or the, or the Bible has some practical things, but you also need this special revelation. Or you need to add the Book of Mormon onto your religious faith. You see what they're doing there? We moved away from this is the Word of God. Now you need something else. Is this the Word of God or is it not? That we can be settled on. And your pastor's conviction is this is the word of God. And my prayer is that your conviction is this is the word of God. Because if it is, we walk by faith. He says, the word is what makes us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So it's, it's like the word that he uses there makes you wise. It's like the Bible has taken the role of the, the teacher. Because the living word. So every time we open up the Bible teaches us something it might not it might not teach you something brand new oh yeah i've heard that before but am i living it or or oh this past week i struggled with that i see that now the spirit of god uses the word to teach and inform and shape our minds specifically about the way of salvation what is salvation well jesus says that uh, salvation is found nowhere else but in me. In Luke 24, which I should have bookmarked this, but Luke 24, verses 25 to 27, Jesus is having a conversation with some disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he uh, asks them a convicting question. He says to them, O foolish ones who are slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? So talking about his death on the cross and also his resurrection. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And a little bit farther on, when their eyes are open and they realize they're talking to the resurrected Jesus, whoa, shocker, I can't believe my eyes, and he disappears from their sight. Then they say in verse 32, did our hearts not burn within us? while he talked to us on the way. Our hearts were, were burnt. We knew this was the word of God. 
And, and it, was, it was coming alive to us that, oh, it's not just about the law. It's not just about the prophets. It's not just about Israel. It's about the kingdom of God that has come and Jesus Christ, who's opened up a new and living way to have a relationship with God and forgiveness of sins and deliverance from the burden of our sins. It's not like reading a verse is a magical incantation. Well, you just read this verse. You just say this prayer, these magic words. No, the, the, the scriptures point to something greater. <laughs> the word of God shows us God, his heart, his grace, his love, his gospel, also his holiness, and our need to say no to sin and turn from sin and trust in him. The Bible tells us that God created man and woman perfectly and with a purpose in Genesis 1 to 2. The Bible tells me that man chose to sin against God and disobeyed his word and broke fellowship with him. It's in Genesis 3, Romans 3, Romans 6. All throughout the Bible, you see the consequences of our sin. We see it today. But we also see from the Bible that God continued to make promises that he would make things right. He would atone for the sins of his people. He would bring justice and holiness. He would bring a new and living way. He would also show grace and mercy. And the cross made it abundantly clear. True to his word, God sent a Savior. It's Christ the Lord. He sent a Savior to pay for our sins. According to the scriptures, Jesus died on the cross and three days later rose from the dead according to the Bible. And the Bible tells us in Romans 5.1 that by trusting in Christ as our Lord and Savior, faith makes us right with God. It's an instant justification. We were separate and broken. Now we are brought together. And it's this simple, Romans 10.13. All who believe by faith in Jesus Christ turn from their sins. They'll be saved. That's what the Bible teaches. That's the Bible. It's the Word of God telling us the way to eternal life. And Romans 10, 17 makes it clear. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Do you believe that? With your heart, your mind, and all your strength, you believe that you're a sinner who needed Jesus. If you have not yet put your faith in Jesus, you are still in your sins, but Christ will take away your sins and make you right with him. If you believe this morning, or maybe you're on the other side of the cross this morning. By God's grace, you're not defined as a sinner anymore. You're defined as a saint, a child of God. Will you now continue to trust that the same word that led to your salvation will also lead to your growth and your health and your strength this year? Or was it just enough to get you going? Now you've got to figure things out on your own. So easy for our pride, especially when things are going well, that we start coasting. We don't open the Bible as often. We get more self-reliant. We need to rely on the Lord's strength. We need to rely on His Word and His wisdom, especially today when there's more false teachers on YouTube than, than dogs about cute puppies and, and kittens, right? They're just popping up all over the place. And they're all throwing conflicting information and doesn't line up with the Word of God. Do you want God's creative, restoring power in your life? Be connected to the source. Read the Bible. I want to encourage you all to have a daily Bible reading plan. 
because we all have the best intentions of reading. But if you have something that helps keep you on track or a reminder on your phone, now you have to say no <laughs> to the reminder. Read the Bible, read the word. Adults, it keeps us grounded that we continue to persevere. Grandparents and parents, it gives us a source of truth and wisdom to pass on to the next generation. Students and young adults, when your faith is confronted in the classroom or out with your friends, this is the foundation that you can rest on. Don't put your Bible on a shelf. It's the living word of God. Open it, read it, hear from it. I want to invite you all to connect in a small group. We believe the word of God is alive, so it continues past this sermon today. So we get homes together, we fellowship together, we pray together, and then we discuss the word. We sharpen one another, that the word would be active in our own lives and our families, and we would bear fruit all week long for Jesus. Continue to trust God's word. It's exactly what we need for today. Secondly, Paul tells us God works his word through his people. You can't help but notice here that there has been a faithful pattern set for Timothy. And Paul doesn't get all the credit for this. Timothy had a faithful grandma and a faithful mother that taught him the writings of Scripture from a young age. This is how the Word of God works. It really does change lives. And as people fully devote themselves to Jesus, they will make followers of Him. The Word will spill over into fruit in our relationships. Paul says, knowing from whom you learned it. Don't get us unsettled by these flashy preachers and teachers and, and false teachers with the videos. I didn't have videos back then. Okay, I'm, I'm contextualizing a little bit here. It says, remember your faithful grandmother who spent hours on her knees in prayer. And she was repentant over her own sins. And she called you to live a faithful life that she also tried to live by God's grace. Do you remember that? Timothy, remember that example. Let that burn into your mind for your entire life and walk in those similar steps. Because people can see God work through his children. Are we living a sincere faith so people can see God's pattern in us? We need multiple influences in our lives. We need multiple godly people pouring into us. We need the local church to help us be more Christ-centered, more word-centered, bearing more fruit. So ask yourself, who do you spend the most time with? Who's setting the most consistent pattern and example for you? Because we'd all like to think we are very spiritually mature. We, we can hang around bad influences. We'll be the influence on them. Typically what happens, though, is if we are walking with people who are walking in sin, it tends to have an impact on us. Because more is caught than taught. I didn't, I didn't come up with that. Someone did. Someone. It's catching. All right? More is caught than taught. We need to spend quality time with people who are seeking after Christ, who will point me to Christ. I need that. I need a small group. I need a mentor. I need people discipling me. I need this fellowship this morning. This is for me too. We never get beyond the need for intentional discipling relationships. People who are patterning faith to one another. The perfect son of God. Did he not depend on his mother and his adopted father? Did he not 
hungrily consume the word of God and spend time in the temple talking with the religious leaders and asking them questions and he's trying to work out this faith. I'm not calling the religious leaders the greatest pattern. But Jesus was hungry for the word, but he is the word. If anyone can take a break and coast and not have to worry about memorizing scripture or meditating on it or talking, surely that could be Jesus. But look at the pattern that he sets for us. The perfect son of God spends time with the father, spends time in worship, spends time with others who are seeking after the kingdom. We need this. This is how God designed discipleship to take place because the word works. A community helps us to stay on track on the word. So how do I become a person that patterns a healthy Christian walk for others? Okay, well, look at Timothy's example. Paul says, from childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Now, history tells us, I think it's the, the Mishnah, actually, which is not the word of God, but it does give us some insight into, into Jewish culture and tradition, how they tried to live out Judaism back in the day. The Mishnah says that they would start educating the Jewish children in the scriptures about the age of five. So about the age of five, there's formal training, memorization taking place, like a, like a catechism, quizzing of questions, and getting the children acquainted with the Bible. Five years old. I feel like there's a trend today where we, we keep pushing off serious study of the word until maybe you're a little bit older. Maybe you're a little bit older. Now, Pastor Dennis, we don't need to do children's sermons right now. They're really young. They're fidgeting. Let's wait till they're a little bit older and they can you know, sit still a little bit longer. That is not the pattern that's been set for us by faithful believers. From a young age, teach your children about the Word. But you can't acquaint others with the Word if you yourself are not acquainted with the Word. Kids, I got a question for you. If I told you to turn to the book of Hezekiah, is that a book of the Bible? Yes or no? The book of Hezekiah. You don't have to answer out loud. If you... No, it's not. There is a Hezekiah in the Bible. He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have a book named after him. Right? That's, that's just a simple, simple question. Do we really know this word that we claim to believe is the word of God? I need to immerse myself in the teachings of Christ. I need to know how God has been faithful to his people over the years. Does he say uh, what to do and what not to do with my life? I need to be acquainted with that. I need to be familiar with that. And that requires a daily immersion in the word. But I've heard it before, Josh. I didn't really feel anything today when I read the word. I didn't really feel anything. It's like I read it, but it just kind of kind of bounced off my mind. So do I really need to do it? Should I just do it on the days that I feel like it? Well, is that how you approach your physical diet? Do you only eat sometimes? Or do we really need nutrition every single day, whether you're feeling it or not? We teach our kids, you gotta eat your veggies, whether you're feeling it or not, you know, that's good for you. Dad also tries to eat his veggies, okay? I'm working on that. We're told that we'll eat about 80,000 meals in our lifetime, if you factor in breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Could you even tell me what 10% of those meals have been over the course of your life? If you eat the same thing every day, then probably, yes. <laughs> if you have like a little variety in your diet, I bet you can tell me what you ate for lunch, you know, on, on December 31st, 2015. But you needed it. 
and it nourished you and you grew and you are where you are today because of that physical nourishment, that's why we get in the word every day. It wasn't a big aha moment. Oh, hey, didn't strike me with lightning. It's okay. It's nourishment. It builds you up, feeds you, even when you don't even realize what's going on. And our mind and our spirit works out the word in our daily lives as we consume and feed on it. The writer of Hebrews rebukes the people he's writing to in Hebrews 5.12 because they should be consuming some deeper parts of scripture and understanding some deeper truths, but they've neglected the study of the word and they're, they're only ready for milk, like spiritual influence, uh, infants. He says, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not food. So let that rebuke even sit still with us. We might think we're ready for solid food, but are we listening to and meditating on and obeying the simplest instructions from Christ? Continue to soak in that word and we will grow. If you continue to worship with Living Hope Church and walk with our church family, I guarantee you, we will feed you the word of God. We preach expositionally. You know what that means? That means we go verse by verse, looking at the context of a letter of the book of the Bible so we can understand it to the fullest extent, so we can glorify God the most and live our fullest, most joyful, abundant Christian life by his spirit. So we've got to know the word inside and out. It might seem boring to some. Well, you're going verse by verse. So predictable. I know where you're going next week. We need the diet. We need it. You don't need a pastor who's going to tell you, hey, let's do a four-week series on, let's do a four-week series on, on money. Let's do a four-week series on making friends. Let's, then I'm trying to guess what kind of diet you need. What kind of nutrition is that? I'm going to take you to the source of spiritual health and vitality. I'm going to let God's spirit help you apply it. And we're going to talk about applying it in our small groups. That's where we need to go. We need the word of God. All the parts, all the books, Old Testament, New wisdom literature and as we journey together we see that pattern of faith lived out and it helps us to cling more confidently to the word of god it helps to become more like jesus so what's your diet for the new years I'm not talking about your weight spiritual gains how are we going to grow up this year some of us need to take our faith for a walk we've been sitting and studying the bible but we haven't been living out some of those commands. Those commands to evangelize and share the gospel with our neighbors. Okay? I'm not saying close the Bible. I'm saying read the Bible and let's go do something about it. Because that's where the most growth happens. Take your faith for a walk. And in our small groups, we'll help hold each other accountable. In our men's group, we'll help hold each other accountable. Pray for one another. Encourage each other. And go out together. Continue to trust God's word. Here's our third point and we'll be done. The word is sufficient for today. The word is sufficient for today. We don't need something more than the Bible. We, that, that's been made clear. But here is a, a beautiful verse that summarizes it all. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we talked about scripture being the, the God-breathed 
word. But but here he says there's there's more to it because it is from God, because it is from above. And we're going through the book of James, which we'll pick up next week, talking about how wisdom comes from above. Because the Bible comes from outside of our world, it's exactly what we need inside our world. It's from above. It's profitable. That means it's advantageous for us. We have a leg up because we know how things should work. We know the mind and the heart of the one who works all things, and we can walk accordingly. We don't need wisdom from the world. We need wisdom from above. And the world sees this as a disadvantage. Um, doesn't this slow you down? It's a bit archaic, don't you think? We live in modern times. We do things a little bit differently now. But because God's word is living, it's as necessary and advantageous and profitable today as it was 2,000 years ago. 6,000 years ago. We see profit from the word of God. Every time we get an opportunity to open the word, it's profit. That's why any ministry, outreach, the word's got to be at the center. If we move away from the word, what advantage is that to us? What advantage is that to our community? The word has to be the powerful working of God, and it is. As, as Alexis, I believe, said in her prayer, it's a sharp two-edged sword. Cuts to the heart. It does the heavy lifting and evangelism. It does the heavy lifting and, and loving difficult people in our fellowship. Let the Spirit and the Word do the work. It frees us up to, to continue onwards. It also says it's profitable for teaching. That's doctrine. That's the foundations of our faith. Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible is the inspired and inerrant Word of God. These are doctrines on which we build our faith and our life. You take away one of those key doctrines... You don't have Christianity. You're outside of the bounds of, of orthodoxy. So how do you know the right way to God and who he really is? And why do we believe that God is three in one? Because he tells us so. Our doctrine comes from that. And what we believe affects how we live. The Bible is also profitable for reproof. This is an exposing of our sin. I didn't realize I had that, that bad behavior, that blind spot, but God opened my eyes as I was reading the Word. I need to confess that. I need to go talk to that person. It reproves me. It exposes the weaknesses. God's Word doesn't just condemn sin. It shows us how Christ opens up a new way to live. That's why it's also profitable for correction. So restoring something to an upright state. And I got to tell you, for me, this is the biggest test about whether I really believe that God's word is sufficient for me. Because I don't like correcting myself. And I really don't like it when other people correct me. I like to think that I'm on track, I'm good to go. Maybe I'll take a little suggestion here or there. Throw a suggestion card in the, in the gift box back there. I think too highly of myself. What do I need correcting for? I need correcting every day i'm a child of god i'm not god i need to know his will and i need to repent of what i was doing wrong and and i need to walk forward i, I need to be honest about my failures and my sins do i invite other people to speak into my life and to offer that correction it's one thing to say yeah 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 i should do that and it's another thing to say i need to do that will you help me will you help me grow 
Are we like David in Psalm 139 who says, God, search me, know me. It's not time for my end of year review, but I want you to review me. I want you to review all of me every day. If there's any wicked way in me, chase it far from me. I've served with a number of Christian leaders in my lifetime in a few different states. Some, some mature ones and some immature ones. I'll let you decide which, which one I'm in, you know, <laughs> th these weeks. But you know, Christian leaders are like Christian followers because we are followers before we're leaders. We don't like to admit that we're wrong. But I'm gonna tell you, one of the healthiest signs of someone who's spiritually mature and emotionally mature, they can take correction. They take correction without deflecting or shifting blame or gaslighting you. I didn't really say that. You're mishearing me. They refuse to accept accountability. I will let you all right now, right now know right now, um, Pastor Dennis and I, we work together as a team because we both need that sharpening. We need that correction. But we also invite that from the flock. We need you all to point out blind spots in our lives, in our leadership, in our communication. We are a family. We are a body. We are here for each other. I, I need the correction. I am not fully like Christ yet. I've got room to grow. But may I suggest that sometimes we don't correct in the spirit of Christ and with the word of God. We argue over preferences, styles. If we correct, let's correct gently and with the word of God. Let God's spirit do the correcting through your words. Let the word of God be the one that redirects somebody. I know there's a few people that I would love to just yank them over here and make them follow Christ. That's not shepherding. We steer them according to the word of God. And God's grace gives us the humility to accept that help because it's what we need. Lastly, it's profitable for training in righteousness. You want to grow up in the faith? You've got to be in the word. You've got to know the word. Some of you are at the point now where you can even take the opportunity at men's study group or, or with a friend. You can teach them some things about the Bible that you have learned yourself. Some of you are growing to that point. Pastor and I are talking to a few of you about, about developing you for leadership. Training and righteousness. That's for all of us. Not just church leaders, but I'm going to call all of us because Paul calls all of us. Are you allowing the word of God to fully train you to be useful servants for the kingdom of God? It's adequate. It's profitable. The man of God here is not talking about, oh, there's men of God and then there's everybody else. No, this is, this is a, a, a statement that's been used about church leaders, but here there's no such distinction. Church leaders versus everyone else? No. It's, if you are in Christ, is his word developing you to your fullest capabilities to make you more like Christ so that we glorify God in every good work? Do you want to see God do an incredible work in 2024? Do you really want to see him make gains in your life, in your family, in your business, in our church? then let's continue in the word. Let the word do the creating. Let the word do the moving. We already have our blueprint. If we stick on this and we teach this and we live it, 
God will have his way. God will be glorified. It changed my life. The word taught me the way of salvation. It teaches me still. It keeps me connected to the Father. If we can help you understand in your personal walk how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'd love to take you to, to the hallway or side room and show you from the Bible how you can know and have that faith this morning. You can be saved yourself. You can start your faith journey. And if you are saved, what's that next step that we can help you take in your Bible study, prayer, spiritual disciplines, fellowship and accountability? We're a church for the community. We're here for that. We're here for you. Let us know how we can pray for you and help.